Hello and welcome to the Zero Shoulds Given podcast hosted by me, Anna Lehan. And me, Yvonne Murray. This is your weekly no-nonsense, unfiltered, mentally healthy podcast. It's time to stop shooting on ourselves. Let's jump straight into this week's episode. So hello and welcome to episode 17 of the Zero Shoulds Given podcast. Today we have a guest. Uh, His name is Gareth. He reached out to us on Instagram a couple of weeks ago uh, after Trina's episode on fertility went live. And we were absolutely delighted to have him on because he's going to talk to us about male infertility. Hope I'm phrasing that okay, Gareth. Um, It's not something that um, we've spoken about yet on this podcast, and it's something that neither myself and Yvonne know a huge amount about. Um, So we're delighted to have somebody speak to it. Um, So yeah, welcome, Gareth. Hey, thanks so much for such a fantastic introduction. I hope to God I can live up to it. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So for people listening, um, they've probably never heard of this, and this is fine. So I... Has, has anyone ever heard if in their head have any has anyone ever heard of Kleinfelter syndrome or XXY? So no for me. Oh, well, I would only say yes just because I did watch your yeah. uh, TED talk. Um, so that's the that was my introduction to it. So other than that, no, it wouldn't be something that I would be aware of. Okay, well, look, at least you're really honest because to be honest, no one's heard of it. Mm-hmm. I've never heard of it. And Kleinfeld, it's called, so I said Kleinfelter syndrome, but I actually myself prefer the term XXY. Mm-hmm. So XXY, wait for it, is the most common underdiagnosed genetic condition in the world to affect males. Wow. Yeah. So you're talking around one in every 660 males are XXY. So... But that's based on a ratio of only 25% actually ever learning. So you're really talking around, I know you can make statistics do anything, but you're talking roughly around one in every 165 males in the world, regardless if they're in Ireland, UK, well, I know just beyond Ireland, UK, anywhere in the world, you're talking around one in every 165 males are XXY. Wow, I had no idea it was that prevalent yeah. and I know you're you're saying the stats like obviously it's only measured on what, what's yeah. been tested but still it's huge and yeah. I'd never heard of it and like I learned about it when my wife and I were trying to conceive a family so if people are thinking well he hasn't explained what it is so I'm going to explain now <laughs> so at a chromosomal level women are xx men are xy and I was born with an extra x chromosome so you can't inherit it it's just a random thing that seems to happen i myself have asked uh, i've done quite a few interviews and i've asked doctors and consultants as why does it happen and no one can give me a straight answer like i've heard people saying oh if a woman is a bit older there's a higher chance of the child being xxy but my mom was 28 29 when she had me yeah and like and i'm xxy so that's blows yeah. that myth out of the water yeah my own understanding is i this is my own take on it i feel that xxy exists or xxy people exist because it's nature's way of trying to help keep a population in check okay. that's my take on it yeah. um, there are other species can you say that in the world that have xxy 
There was a gorilla in Dublin Zoo that was XXY that was discovered. So when I kind of started to learn about it and how it affects other species on, on the planet, that was my own take on it. So XXY, it's a big, massive spectrum, huge spectrum. So if you meet one person with XXY, you've met one person with XXY. But some of the traits are you're, you can be tall. So I'm six foot three. You can have less facial hair, less hair in your body. That's another trait. Um, smaller testicles. Um, now, this is a very cool one. It's one I'm very proud of. Uh, photographic memory. So Ooh. I have a thing called edetic memory. So edetic memory is a form of a photographic memory. And it's the ability to step into past me- memories as if you're experiencing them for the first time. That must have been very handy in school, Garth. Uh, well, I didn't know. I was well, okay, fair okay. enough. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, you can have poor language communication skills. Okay. I don't have that trait because here we are. Um, <laughs> um, more empathy for others. Um, you can be more prone to depression. Again, it's a spectrum. Yeah. So kind of worth mentioning this. And then a infertility. That's another big one. I often forget to mention that. <laughs> and another big one is lower natural testosterone levels. Okay. okay. So that's, it's quite, it's quite a lot. And there's, there are other things as well to mention mm-hmm. in that. So. so Gareth, with everyone with the extra chromosome, would they suffer with infertility or would they have different, um, areas of the spectrum that you mentioned is is a one for all or or not it would just depend on the person as well it, it very much depends the person okay. i know of two people in the world two that i'm aware of that were able to conceive naturally okay okay so it's pretty much like it's less what's that less than one percent yeah yeah <laughs> be, yeah uncommon okay. okay okay so that is pretty a pretty big part of it then yeah, it's a massive Huge. thing. Yeah. Huge. And so my story is um, my wife and I, Anna is my wife. And uh, Great name. It, <laughs> so, yeah, but, so we um, we looked in um, was it about 2017, 2018 to try and have a family. And um, like my wife is MS. So she made the decision to come off her MS medication to mm-hmm. try and get pregnant. And to be honest, like I was, like I'd never had like I'd never had sex with a condom. So mm-hmm. I was, you know, yeah. I I say like, I felt like I kind of joked about it, like, like oh we'll have sex once and you're pregnant. Mm-hmm. Because we're yeah. all drilled into in school. Yeah, about, that's what we're told. <laughs> yeah. Like I, I just you know, I thought we'd have like one or two goes and that'd be it. Yeah. Like, yeah. I'm so naive, because like, this is just the way it's, it's everyone's it's educated, funny. like. Yeah. And um Sorry, just writing it down in a note here. And uh, so, like, like we were trying for a while, and like Anna wasn't getting pregnant. Like her cycle came without fail every month. Okay. And in the background, when I was a child, I'd had an undescended testicle. Now, okay. X Y my I know X Y guys who've had undescended testicles, and they've had the testicle lowered as a child, so it's not uncommon. The and then Anna, I was like, oh, I don't know. It'll, it'll happen. It'll happen. And I wasn't really, I was kind of, probably like most men, just like, 
sure, like, how could there be a problem? Because yes. if there's a problem, infertility, sure, that only affects women. Because yeah. that's what we all think. Yeah. That's yeah. what we all hear. But yeah, and that's like, as you're about to learn, is the biggest load of crap on the planet. <laughs> so, yeah. um, so I went for semen analysis. And semen analysis got to the local GP. And the GP said, you know, the results came in. And remember, they rang me. They're really kind. And said, Gareth, that was a zero sperm count on that semen analysis. And like, I was thinking, what? Like, how... How is that possible? Like, how can I have no sperm? Because I'd heard of people losing the ability to produce sperm, say through a rugby accident or some injury, but to be actually born without sperm and to not even know about that. Yeah. You know, so then the GP said, you know, originally they said, you know, you have to come back for a second semen analysis in like six months time minimum. Okay. And Anna push for it she said like well that's six months longer for me off my medication so can we not do it a bit quicker so the gp said grand okay we'll organize a second one so went for a second semen analysis and that came back with zero sperm count no sperm in the second sample and i remember them ringing me and anna came home from work and just been in a complete daze because i was like you know, how, how do you kind of fathom that into like yeah. this huge bombshell that's like dropping you? Yeah, so they I, either the GP or I think the GP organizes, we, we went to see then a consultant. And I can honestly tell you that was one of the worst experiences of my life. So went into the room. Remember I saying about my eidetic memory? Yeah. So you see those little, that little plant behind you there, that money mm-hmm. tree? Yeah, loads of those in the guy's office, tons and tons of them. And I remember they're under these little vases. It was all covered in dust. And mm. I was just sitting there thinking, well, you're meant to be like a doctor. And this is all covered in dust. That's not a very good impression. You know, mm. the, the kind of yeah. the things that, that yeah. And um, he basically, he did a brief examination of me. And he said, if you're my son, I would tell you the same. And I've often said in a very visual way, imagine like, you know, the Thelma, Thelma and Louise film, which kind of gives away my age before they drive <laughs> off the cliff. It was like that. Because I had no concept of what he was about to say to me. Yeah. And he, he looked me oh, directly. Wonderful in that situation. Like, yeah. And like I was there with Anna and, you know, I thought he was going to say, Gareth, if you take some supplements, if you change your diet, mm-hmm. you know, it's going to be, the sperm will come back. And he just looked me directly in the eyes and he said, Gareth, it doesn't work downstairs. You need to get over that and move on. That's what he said blunt. to me. Yeah. Like imagine saying that to a, a woman in the same situation. Like I don't think they would. Really yeah, I don't think would. consultants yeah. would say that. No, they yeah, wouldn't. And they'd wouldn't. be uproar if, if that was said to a female. So why is it okay to say it to a male? Now, that guy's now retired. I always say that. Okay. Yeah, that's yeah. Never give his name out, like you know. But um, yeah, that's what he said. That must have been very, very tough. It was. I best described it as an out of body experience. All these thoughts spiraling, like there are terrorists in the world. They can have children. Like I've never killed anyone. Why? Why can't I have a child? And it just spiraled and spiraled and spiraled and spiraled. And we left there and. 
went outside and I completely broke down with Anna in the car park. And um, I, I, I'll be honest, like I went into a form of depression because I didn't know anyone. Like I didn't know men could be born without sperm. You know, yeah. and he he didn't say this is the thing. He didn't say you could be an XXY person. So I was just put down to unexplained infertility. Mm. Case shut. Move on to the next Out person. Yeah. Out you go. It was the actual GP ahead of time before that meeting had said, Gareth, have you ever heard of Kleinfelter syndrome? And I was like, what? Like, well, I, can't, I, can't, I can pronounce the word now at the time. Yeah. I couldn't even pronounce the word. I'm going, like, Jesus, I don't have a clue what that is. Yeah. And like, I did a lot of running at the time. I stopped running. I stayed up all hours playing my Xbox, loads of drinking. Yeah. Um, and I just, I did be honest, just entered a form of depression. I yeah. stopped going out because, like, I just felt, well, what's the point? Like, and, so Anna, Anna then contacted um or made she found it on some kind of blog I think about this consultant. He's still my consultant. He's called Doctor Jonathan Ramsey, okay. and he's a really experienced urologist in London. Okay. So we went over to London to see him, and it was it was so like we had to fly. We had to race across London. Our flight got delayed, and we made it and all the rest of it. And I remember to this day, I remember him walking out behind his desk shaking my hand because I was probably quite guarded like I had been really burned by this previous yeah. guy and he just has this amazing voice and he shook my hand and all this pressure that I had myself just kind of evaporated because he just treated me as an individual he treated me as an individual and he treated me as an equal yes the other guy looked I felt he looked down to me and his whole body language is completely different yeah and um, he started asking me questions about like my background and and all this. And I didn't realize he was then kind of building up. He was looking for pointers in my previous, in my life. Okay. And, um, like that spectrum that you mentioned. Yeah, of. but I didn't know at this stage. Yes. Mm. So he organized then for me to get, um, if people are listening to this, this is very important. So the only way to be tested if you are XXY or not is from a carrier type test through a blood sample. Okay. So a geneticist then counts the chromosomes in a blood sample. Okay. And that is how you learn if you're XXY or not. There's okay. no other way to know. Yeah. It's quite expensive, but it's the only way. To just so, finish it up. Yeah, so we got that done in London. Mm. We were living in Ireland, still living in Ireland. Flew home. We got the results. But I, what he had said ahead of time was, you know, so quite so much to cover but anyway i'll do my best is <laughs> you guys are probably like christ does he ever no no not at all it's fascinating um so he says that if you're xxy because it's such a huge spectrum some men can produce sperm because it's such a huge spectrum yeah. it mm -hmm. fluctuates so he said let can, would you would you be interested and i was like, like this gave me a, a, um, a glimmer of hope that yeah, I might have sperm. Exactly. So he organized for me and I came back to London and I had an FNA, which stands for fine needle aspiration. Okay. So under anesthetic, 16 fine needles are put into each testicle in the testicle sac, looking for pools of sperm. So in a very visual way, it's like a reconnaissance mission. They're trying to see, is there anything in there? Okay. And it came out of recovery 
it was in the Hammersmith Hospital, I think it was, in London. And he came into the room and he said to Anne and I, he said, Gareth is a complete one of a kind. Um, he said, I believe Gareth is the very, he's the very, he's definitely the very first person I've ever met. And I know of anyone else in the world who in their mid to late thirties has the ability to produce the building blocks that build sperm. Okay. So that was the language he used to yeah. convey, yeah. which is a very visual way for me then. And I yeah. to think, so this is like, oh my God, incredible. Like if you think about that first consultant, he'd never yeah. been like that. Yeah, it, it carries hope. Exact hope. Exactly. Yeah. So I then went on a cocktail of hormones from the next few months. I was taking Clomed, you know, drug for women for breast cancer. Mm -hmm. um, and it was hoped that my body would absorb all these chemicals and then turn it into the fuel to make sperm. Okay. This was the hope. Yeah. This the this was the plan. The the problem with it was that remember I mentioned about the low natural testosterone. Mm, yeah. Okay. So for people listening, it's very easy to understand. The European scale to measure testosterone, it's very simple to understand. The USA one isn't. So I don't even understand the USA one. So zero to 30 is how we measure testosterone in Europe. 19 okay. to 24 on the scale, optimal range for XY guy. Okay. When I learned I was XXY, my natural levels were 11 to 13 on this scale. Okay. So I never knew all my life. Didn't have a clue. Of course. Um, but when I got the FNA, my levels dropped. My natural levels to produce testosterone, like it crashed to like four. And like, I was so fatigued. Like I used to be a wedding videographer. That's what I used to do. Mm. Um, which sounds really glamorous and very stressful <laughs> uh, and uh like i'd be at weddings and i couldn't stand to shoot the ceremony like i was so exhausted so i'd have to have another camera operator with me i'd have to go and sit in the car and lie down because this is a physically exhausting job yeah and what happened as well was that my levels with all these hormones they slowly started to increase okay but then with all the stress going on it, I, I ended up having my um, appendix out in the middle of it. Not what you needed, like. Yeah. So eight days in the hospital. Great crack. Brilliant. <laughs> um, and um, it, so that kind of pushed back the second operation, which is called okay. a micro TZ. Well, I can't remember what TZ stands for. If people look it up, they'll find out. It's a big, long, massive title. And okay. this was significantly more evasive than the other one. So they actually open up the testicles and then they go in and they're looking for pools of sperm as an operator. And this is after the kind of cocktail of hormones to kind of exactly. see, okay, what's happened? Yeah. Okay. My consultant, Jonathan Ramsey, he could see from blood tests, my levels were going up. Okay. And kind of from experience felt this is probably a good time to yeah. do the operation. Okay. Um, I know quite a lot to take in there. And the reason he thought I had, or he found I was um, able to produce the building blocks is that he said, I am a mosaic of X, X, Y, which means I have X, Y and X, X, Y sex cells. Okay. So I'm actually in a subcategory yes. within the X, X, Y sphere, which makes it even more, I, I've said to people, it's like the ultimate, the ultimate Yaris, the ultimate yeah. hybrid. <laughs> <laughs> 
mosaics make up around apparently around 10% of the XXY community. Okay. Yeah. So um, that's why there was that that bit of hope kind of almost really to say the building blocks yeah. potential. Potential. And went for the operation like I was out cold. I don't remember it. But ahead of time, Jonathan Ramsey had said to us, and this is why he's such a, a brilliant consultant, because he can communicate and treat you as an as an individual and an equal. He yeah. doesn't talk down to you. He doesn't use all this Latin language that no one feckin' understands anyway. Um, he said, exactly. Yeah, he said to us ahead of time, you know, Gareth and Anna, the chances of this working, I think at the most was about 20, 25%. Like he never said it's almost a guarantee thing. Mm. So ahead of time, you need to look at another option. So he said, I, um, you need to look at donor sperm. So we had, so I was going all these cocktails of hormones and looking at donor sperm as a backup. And I found the whole process really difficult because so many of these websites, if you go on them, they have a lot of visual shots of like mostly women holding kids. Let's be honest. Like most of it's like that. Um, and then they have, so you've got some information about the donors and they, of course they don't give out their real name. Understand that often they have a photograph of what they look like when they're two or three, okay. but that could be a boy or girl. Like it's not very relatable. Yeah. And then they have a little message saying, hello, my name is donor four, five, six, which sounds so relatable. And they have a little generic message, but it's very difficult trying to make your decision to pick that person because yeah. you have so little information. And, and is that all you get? Like, is it you select someone and you get more or like, is, is that it? Your decision is at based the time on? we went in a few of them and okay. like, I found it really difficult. I, you know, you're trying to make this decision about a potential donor, about potential children you're going to have based on such little information. So, you know, like it's really, really difficult. Like I feel like a lot of ways um, that whole process could be significantly improved. Like I understand they kind of, they want to put out the donor's name and the donor's details. I can understand that, but I feel like it's quite yeah, but a you can still process. give a lot of information without giving someone's name or details that will give yeah. away who they are. You can still yeah, give like, a lot more surely. Yeah. What information would you have liked to have seen, Gareth? Maybe like an audio note to make okay. sure, that, you know, like an audio recording. You know, they don't have to say their name. They could say, hello, uh, the, I want to be a donor and help other people because I had a friend who was donor conceived. And, you know, okay. why are they doing it? Yes. Of course, they do their video. Um, because a lot of the information, it's so cold, you know, it's not tactile. So you can't it's really quite clinical, like I'm donor number, blah, blah, blah. You know, yeah. it's not very human. You wanted yeah. something to like connect with, to, you know, nearly jump out of the screen. This is, this is it kind of. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Cause you know, like if they, like some of them had written notes, but they were all generic, of course, yeah. generic, but if they had said like, Oh, my interests are into hiking. I love where I live. I can see the trees and yeah. I love the way the you mist rolls. Yeah. And then of course we can all do it. Of course I can do it significantly more. Is that then I can picture the, the mist coming down over the mountains. Yeah. And I can then feel like I can relate to that person. Yeah. But there's none of that. Like they don't seem to well, maybe they hope some players are doing it like that now. Mm. But when we were looking, they were not like that. And, and what year would this have been, Gareth? Just roughly. Uh, about 2018. 
Okay. So yeah, recently enough. Yeah. And we then, like we are finding it really difficult. So I said, do you know anyone who can help us? Because this entire process is so difficult. And he recommended a consultant, or sorry, a consultant, his colleague, Erica Foster. Okay. And Erica is an embryologist and she has a sperm bank in London. And we contacted Erica. And um, basically my LinkedIn profile, thanks LinkedIn, um, the one time I used it, <laughs> is the, the image of me on LinkedIn, I, have, I never changed it. It's the same image as it was five, six years ago. And basically um, she said, when she, I sent her a message through LinkedIn and she saw it and she said, I have a donor who looks like Gareth. We, we did a, a voice call with, with Anne and I on, on speakerphone. Okay. I have a donor that really looks like Gareth. And um, in the UK, I'm not sure if this, I think it's still the same. In the UK, you are limited to the amount of donors or the donors are limited to the amount of families they can donate to. Okay. So this donor only wanted to donate to, to three families. Mm -hmm. That was his decision. But you can donate up the maximum of 10. You don't have unlimited like, like yeah. parts of the world. Like. And um, he, he, he said three. So we went, okay, great. Um, and his sperm is a bit more expensive because he's only donating to three families. Okay. But we just got a really good feeling from Erica like she's very relatable um she, she was kind of like again like Jonathan Ramsey really nice language she's you know and she said yeah. why you wanted to do it and it just felt yeah it just felt a really good fit you know you know if it's a you know if you feel well connected to the person you feel like they see you they value you they hear you mm -hmm. do you know yeah that yeah, and I like think listening to your gut as well you always get a gut feeling whether things are good or bad and mm -hmm. It's important listening to your gut, especially this type of thing. Yeah, and yeah, exactly. And we were, we were talking to Erica, like you felt like you felt like you're going for a conversation with her and having it in the pub. Yeah. You know? <laughs> like she was very relatable. It was not it wasn't like, well, I'm the professional and I'm yeah. gonna talk down to you. It was none of that shit, like. Yeah. Um, and it kind of gives you an idea. Like I'm still in touch with Erica, even mm -hmm. now. We're pretty good pals with Erica, yeah. and um, she's a total legend. She listens to yeah. this, and uh, <laughs> so we got the sperm from Erica, and he she, Erica works with Jonathan Ramsey, so he had organized it all. So basically, we did a um like a sink transfer. So basically, they took eggs from Anna, and then I had the operation, the micro and it was hoped that they would take the sperm from me, potential mm -hmm. sperm, eggs from Anna, and then they make the embryos. Okay. That was the option A. Okay. Option B, which was take the donor sperm if I didn't have any and put it with the embryos. Okay. And so Anna had to go through kind of like that whole IVF cycle as well in order to be able to produce the eggs to kind of facilitate that process as well. Correct? Yeah. So Anna had to try to help with doing the injections yeah. and all that. And then she was injecting me and it was great yeah. crap like look yeah. like little drug addicts like if you saw our needles here <laughs> uh, wow what a time great crack um and like and people are probably thinking well how did you come to that realization about using the donor sperm how did you change your your mindset well it was probably because like like i've been told i didn't have sperm in such a horrible cold way 
we were given a glimmer of hope. But then Jonathan Ramsey said, you can't put all your eggs in one basket. So I was already open to the idea of donor sperm because yeah. originally I thought I didn't have any. Yeah. And I'm an advocate for a very good nonprofit in the UK called the Donor Conception Network. Okay. And they had an event in Belfast. And Anne and I went to their event and it completely changed my mind about donor sperm because they had all these speakers and two people in particular, a guy, Danny, he didn't have sperm. He's not XXY, but he talked about his, his now donor conceived kids. And my wife, by the way, she's a speech and language therapist. So I'm really aware of language because of her. Mm. So Danny would say, you know, my children, this, and my children, that he never said the donor conceived children. Yeah. You know, and that's really important. People yeah. don't yeah. realize how important yeah. language is. It's because we just use it every day. Yeah. But yeah. being used in such a cruel way. We definitely remember it being used in a cruel way. Yeah. And just the, that one word, like the my, changes everything. Yeah. And his body language wasn't like changed. It wasn't like those are the donor. It, it, it was all the same. Yeah. And then this woman stood up and like she was amazing. It, her words changed my life. Like like she was a donor conceived woman. And Lucy or Katie is her name, I think. And um, she just basically said, the man who like contributed the sperm to make me exist, sure, he's important, but he's not my dad. Mm. The man who changed my nappy, yeah. taught me to drive, bought me to uni, mm. he's my yeah. dad. Yes. And like, like so powerful. Yeah, like I can't get upset thinking about it now. Like it just being in that presence of that woman, like it was totally incredible. Yes. And yeah. it was amazing. It was yeah. brilliant. Like Anna and I asked to say about 90% of the questions, you know, unfortunately, I think in Ireland, people are like, oh God, I better ask a question. And that might be seen as silly. But like yeah. we're never gonna see each other again. And yeah. And somebody else is thinking that question. Just ask the fucking question. Just yeah. ask it. Like, sorry yeah. for swear. No, 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 no. <laughs> um, yourself a, a favorite ask a bloody question yeah no one will do it. Mm. Um, so that's how we made that you know when i heard her talk yeah. and she existed because her dad had had that willingness to be open to it mm. so anyway so back to the to, to the micro teasy i know i jumped around yes. the timeline there that's okay <laughs> i had a lot for people to take in so they found that basically my ability to produce sperm had diminished. I couldn't do it any longer for whatever reason. Okay. So at that, at that point, they then took, still took the eggs from Anna and then mixed them with the donor sperm. And we got an X amount of embryos. But even when I was in recovery and Anna held my hand, like, again, it's a very visual thing. I remember there's a big clock on the wall mm. and when the woman came in to tell me that they didn't find sperm, like I can see that clock now. And I remember when the, the clock up to a certain point, when it hit say 1157 or, you know, three, three seconds to 12. Yeah. In my head up until this point, I thought I still had sperm. Mm. After that point, I don't. And even though the clock kept going round, my head could hold, my brain could hold the, yeah. the, the second clock or the one, the one second clock coming up yeah. to 12 like I could do that yeah. and like to be honest in a lot of ways now I look back it was of course it was traumatic 
but it was a relief. I'd done everything, started put myself through months and months of hormone treatment. Mm. So now my second, third operation in a year, because I had my my appendix out, like I've gone through so much. Yeah, your body must have been exhausted, Gary. Shattered. Yeah, so. and even mentally, like with all of this going on, like, you know, it must have just been so tiresome. Exactly. And like, sure, I still had my business. Like I was a wedding videographer. I And then I had to tell brides, mm. like, you know, I'm going to have a, a guy with me filming my wedding. I can't edit your wedding at the moment mm. because I can't sit properly because of where my testicles are located. Yeah. You know, I couldn't sit to do edits. It was too yes. sore. And then you have to explain your whole personal life to people, which, you know. Yeah. You know, <laughs> what are you doing that? And so most people were really accommodating. We're like, when it's done, it's done. But then I yeah. had two who were really difficult and said, I want my edit. I don't care. You know, it's like, fuck off. <laughs> You're not going to like, you know, I can't sit and edit your, your wedding video. Yeah. I have uh, enough on my plate here. Yeah. Yeah. A lot on. So we did the first transfer and that failed. That was a two week pregnancy. And again, I hate that term chemical pregnancy. Mm. I think it's an awful term. I feel like there should be a, I, I think a better word could be used because yeah. it's so cold and mm. clinical. Um, We then did a second transfer. For people listening to this, my one big piece of advice would be, so in the clinics, they can tell the quality of the embryos. They can rate them like, I think, is it A to, a to D or something like that? Okay. And like, you know, when people are conceived naturally, they, you know, you don't know what the quality of that embryo is. So, course, yeah. so they told us, they found this particular embryo. We did the second round of IVF. Oh my God. They are saying like, it's fantastic. It's like, oh my God. It's like the space standard. A plus. <laughs> ultimate, it's the Star Trek Voyager of like, yeah. Who likes Star Trek? I don't know. <laughs> it's the ultimate Star Trek spaceship of, yeah. of embryos. And then they put that embryo back in Anna's uterus and it failed. And they didn't know why it failed. And to be honest, I found that as crushing as learning of my infertility. Mm. It was so hard. Like, yeah. um, so I would say to people, let the embryologists pick it they are doing this day in day out they know yeah. don't ask because yeah. you're like yeah so chat there's no guarantee it's going to work because yeah. they don't know why it failed so that's not an answer so we yeah. took a break and then we came back and it was kind of january or february of 2019 and we said to erica foster because she picked the embryos we said you pick the embryos it's your job you know what you're doing so when Erica picked and we said, we want to put two embryos back this time. Okay. And you think in your mind, logically, that if one embryo fails, you have the other one. Yeah. Okay. It doesn't work like that. You can lose both embryos. Okay. So we put two embryos back and Erica told me <laughs> at a later stage, she said, you and I know how desperate you and Anna were to have a family. But what sometimes can happen is that one, the embryos can split and then you'd have triplets. Oh, wow. Okay. But she said, I didn't want to tell you guys that. Yeah. Which is like <laughs> ever, Erica. The discretion. Yeah. So we did that. Uh, we had to put the two embryos back and then we were away in Donegal on around St. Patrick's Day in 2019. 
and Anna did the pregnancy test and she found out she was pregnant. Oh, wow. Amazing. Can't we actually get upset thing about it? Yeah. <laughs> oh my God. I kind of feel a bit emotional too. Because <laughs> we're like, we've been through, um, actually, I'm watering. Uh, I've been through so much. Like, we're in a, an Airbnb in Letterkenny mm. and they had non, some non alcoholic sh- champagne. Mm. And it was like, it just tasted incredible. Yeah. Like, a non alcoholic champagne is not incredible. <laughs> <laughs> and it was like amazing yeah it was brilliant um be honest i afterwards now looking back i and i knew at the time i didn't really enjoy the pregnancy i I can't speak for anna because we'd had so many ups and downs Mm. you were nervous it was too good to be true and exactly like you know and you know I turn X. yeah like you know there's all these markers you have to hit the three there's a 12 week yeah yeah point to the first trimester and then there's this like i remember we had it in their calendar here like <laughs> no when it when it hit six months it hit it when it hit that period that if anna went into pre- into labor there was there's a higher chance that we wouldn't lose the kids yeah, that they'd be able to and I couldn't look that far ahead because sometimes mm-hmm. we'd be planning stuff for what we're going to do and then you'd see it on the calendar I'd be like okay I'm just going to ignore that date because we're not there yet yeah so I didn't want to get my hopes up um neither did Anna um, when did you find out it was twins and how did you feel um, <laughs> yeah it was a pretty early test we did a we did it up in Dublin in um they've got some ridiculous title for it I can't remember the actual we, we we did an early test and they said they were twins. Mm-hmm. Both embryos had come through. Amazing. And we heard that. Yeah. And uh, we have like a scan somewhere other, like the two little embryos. Yeah. And um and then like like so in Ireland people listen to this, they they don't let you go full term if you've twins. Okay. They because they just say you get like a woman just gets too big. Okay. Um, so it's 40 weeks, isn't it? I think it's 40 weeks. Yeah. yeah. So they, 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 whatever comes, there was a particular day that they do cesareans. So the kids were born the coom in Dublin. Mm. And it was about a week and a half before the technically the full gestation period. Okay. And that was a cesarean delivery. Okay. And um, like, like I'm pretty bad. I'm pretty bad with blood and hospitals. I find them really. spent enough time with them, Gareth. <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. You want to be getting used to it. <laughs> oh God, it's Gareth. We're here in the Gareth Laddie wing, <laughs> and uh, yeah. So I didn't go to the birth of the kids because I just, um, I find being around blood and that kind of stuff, I find it really traumatic. Mm. I just do. Like my mum died in a hospice, and being around machines, beeping yeah. stuff, it just makes me really. Yeah. I, I'll, I'll faint like I will. Yeah. Um, so the consultant said, look, if you're really squeamish, it's no, it's no reflection in you as a, as more of the man, like, there's no yeah. guy that like, oh, I have to be there. Mm. Well, if you're squeamish, you're, and you're going to faint, you're not doing yourself any favor. Yeah. You're not helping in any way. <laughs> yeah, you're not helping your wife, your you're partner. another patient. <laughs> and the, all the team that are helping your wife or partner have the child, if you collapse in a heap in the corner, then you have to be carted out of there. Yeah. Yeah. So Anna's friend Emer went, mm. and I was down the down the 
a few a few rooms away and I remember now like I was watching a, a photograph on my phone the other day I um I Gana's parents had said to me when the kids are born when you're holding them get a photograph of their fingers when they're still blue because okay. the blood hasn't reached their fingers yet okay so I have a photograph with one of the children I was holding it and you can see the little fingers are still blue because they have the blood hasn't reached his hands yet wow so the twins yeah we have twins and it was amazing it was totally like all that all that pain um so you hear my voice all that pain and that I went through like when I saw those children they just it just evaporated yes um like I've talked about this a lot and even now like every time because the way my brain is my memory I remember walking into that space and at first it didn't see we were boy and a girl so Mm -hmm. their nicknames are Abba and Tutu Abba and Tutu love it (laughs) so Tutu is the boy and he was too we was to my right or Anna's left and he was wrapped up and he had the little blue hat on like and um I saw him but didn't see him because okay. you know he was he was all wrapped up and he was so small in the little bassinet and then I saw the other child mm-hmm. and I said I'm like where's the other twin like where, where is he or where 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 are they and then I saw the other child and it was incredible like it was amazing and did you know that it was a boy and a girl? Yeah, we knew ahead of time because of the various um, scans that we'd gone for. Yeah, okay. it was it was fantastic. It was yeah, it was amazing. Yeah. And what stage are they at now? Because this is a couple of years ago. Are they in school now? Sure. So they were four in November. There, November twenty twenty. Okay. So they're a little bit over four now. Wow. And they're at uh, they're at Montessori this morning. So that's why we can do this recording. Yeah. <laughs> They're here, be all over the place. Yeah. Be jumping <laughs> in. Very much part of the podcast. Oh, God. Yeah. Oh, you want that? Yeah. That's, so a, that's an inc- incredible journey, Gareth. Like, and even just going back to when you went to, is it the seminar and the people speaking up on the stage? Like, it's just being around people out can give you answers that are going through similar things we've talked about it many times on the podcast what people are going through knowing that you're not alone can make so much of the difference because I'm sure when you were suffering with your mental health and depression at the time you probably felt like you were the only person in the world to feel that way you know that so there's this power in numbers of being around supportive people and being around people that actually can you can relate to and understand well, absolutely. Like we would go to like, you know, there's a very, very good support group in Ireland. In fact, the woman who won the women who set up was from Cork. So when I think when I'm talking to you guys, it reminds you of talking to her. Yeah. Um, it's called the NISIG, which is the okay. National Infertility Support and Information Group, which is quite a long title. I think it's NISIG.com. And we went to some of their support groups. They're all around the country and see people who are listening to this if they're kind of struggling with their infertility or their or any aspect of it mm-hmm. i'd recommend going because it was brilliant like we would be there and you'd just sit around a big circle and you'd say like hello like yeah. often whatever way work out Anna and i would be almost at the front at the start <laughs> and i think in ireland like you know i like um someone coined it like we have this awful thing of like small island syndrome of like mm-hmm. i'm not going to talk about the my problems because you could know my cousin that you met in a nightclub 12 years ago on the piss you might remember you know Uh, and like I noticed really quickly like I remember being at at one of these events 
And this woman talked and her husband, her partner was beside her and he said nothing. And she said, when we're telling our friends that we're having problems with, with trying to have a child, we just say it's me. It's just easier that way. And he said yeah. nothing and she spoke on his behalf. Yeah. And then like, I was like going in my head, screaming my head going, just fucking say something. I've mm-hmm. just told you that I don't have sperm because I have an extra X chromosome. Yeah. I'm really open about it. Mm-hmm. And then afterwards he came up to me and he said, you know, I found your words really helpful. It really resonated with me because there was another man speaking about it. I said, but why didn't you say anything? Because you could have said something. I, uh, I, I, my problem is, and he kind of made an excuse. Okay. I'll say it was an excuse because he didn't speak, but, and I said, well, you didn't let me make that decision. Like, you know, if you'd spoken, I'm telling you, you would have feel better. Yeah. Because yeah. no one will judge you. And yeah. I was kind of, to be honest, I was kind of pissed about it. Like, well, not pissed is not the word, but. But it's hard though because shame. you're you're being such an advocate and exactly like that is it shame or what is it? And I suppose look, it was his process and maybe hearing you speak and hearing somebody else speak eventually, maybe he will speak. Who knows? But yeah, like I would imagine it's frustrating for you to sit there. Yeah, and this is we were going through this, and when Anna was hopefully pregnant, like we were going to these support groups. This yeah. wasn't afterwards. This is during our whole kind of story, yeah. our journey, or and again, journey—the most overused word. Yeah, now. yeah, that's all right. <laughs> um, and piss is probably not the word, but frustrated. Yeah. Because why couldn't he speak? Yeah. No one else judged him, and he had told me he found my words really reassuring, but yeah. wasn't willing to speak for me to hear his word that was probably the frustration of yeah. the whole thing Which is understandable. And, and so yeah so like and like, i kind of noticed like we would go to some we went to one or two fertility events and i even i remember be at the fertility events and the um Anna and i'd be walking around and um and people would just automatically talk to anna they'd ignore me mm. like these are people who worked in the fertility space they didn't address yeah. those like hello gareth hello anna it was like, hello, how are you? Very nice to meet you. So what's your name, Anna? And can I get your details? Can I get your email? Get your mobile? And I was just excluded out of the picture. There's a lot that needs to change in this in that area, isn't there? That's not acceptable. Like these are you know, I'm not saying and I mean, you know, that I you can see you can learn this from me, is a lot of people who work in this space yeah. are really like they work in it because they care. Okay. Yeah. There is of course there is the they have to get paid and we all understand that, but they're not gonna get into this field if they don't have a passion for it. Of course. But a lot of the communication language is, is so poor. Mm-hmm. They just aim it at women. Yeah. Like, you know. And stuff. it feeds that kind of, oh, just, oh, just let the woman talk. Like, you know, it, it, it helps that guy who doesn't want to talk if, if people just go directly to his partner. You know, it's not supporting men to speak up if that's, yeah. the, way we're, if that's the way we're setting it up. Yeah, and then well, I remember we, we were talking with some clinic that was in some other part of Europe, and then immediately I would had a disinterest in them because I wasn't part of the picture. They just assumed, mm. oh, only okay. Maybe I know I'm very much the rarity that I do speak about infertility. Yeah, but, but that message is never going to change if people are trying to communicate about the facilities or the clinics that they provide mm. if they're not being inclusive from the word go. If they're just going to ignore half of the couple yeah like when you think about it it's like ridiculous (laughs) you know ridiculous um go ahead 
what do you feel like we can be doing or needs to be done in order to shed more light? I know things like this, but how can we create more awareness, I suppose? Well, so I basically I became an advocate and and I'll get up to asking your question. So I became an advocate in around September was it no 2021 I think it was so I'm an advocate I know people listen to this they can't see my t-shirt so I'm a I'm a European advocate for living with XXY okay it's a non-profit based in California mm. and the guy who set it up he's an XXY guy and support from Anna and being inspired by Ryan mm. I have become a I wouldn't say the best but I've become an advocate about speaking about this yeah and I've done loads of interviews done stuff for newspapers and radio and this and that and as of now i've done around 50 interviews in the last two and a half years okay and um like i've learned a lot i did a ted talk um now i know immediately going to date this i'm going to be speaking at the fertility show in the rds in march okay about male infertility uh i push for that yeah and um so i'm looking forward to that um, but I think, I think when it comes to like, I feel like, so it, when you learn about, like as I learned, all the kind of very support groups appear around then, mm-hmm. but that's too late in the timeline for men or boys. Yeah. You know, I think if you think about when you're back to when you're like, like 12 or 13, like women's and girls start to learn about their mental cycles, yeah. you know, you know, every month your cycle comes, but there's no focus on boys. Mm. like nothing there is like i don't know to send a testicle as a child there is no follow-up operational you know or no follow uh, or no um follow-up just before i hit my teenager years nothing in my teenage years nothing afterwards it was just like yeah your grand yeah, off you your go grand, you're on your way there's no follow-up so like a lot of guys who learn their xxy they learn like me when they're trying to have mm. a family and that's just too far down the timeline of someone's life. Yeah. Like it's, it, when you think about it, like if you go all the way back, if you imagine if there were checks through a child's life until you turned, that child turned 18 or 19, mm-hmm. if they knew he didn't have sperm, how yeah. can he do the operation? Could, mm-hmm. could you know, you know could, could you, what there can is, you be doing? Yeah. yeah, what can you do? Be proactive about it. Exactly. Whether you decide to have kids or not, at least you, you, you're well aware at that stage, you know, what you yeah. need to do. Yeah, and like if you, like, like earlier last summer, I emailed, I emailed the government in Ireland about changing the human assisted reproductive bill, because right. when you look at the bill, there's an over focus on women and an under focus on men, yeah. and I put forward like I emailed every single member of the cabinet, um, I did get responses from I think everyone like some of them were automated, but I did get a response. <laughs> um, it's a response. <laughs> it's a response. <laughs> Thank you, all in Irish. Christ, don't speak Irish. Know what this says? Um, what um, I basically said: Look, look, lads, like you're doing it this way. Okay, they offered the semen analysis, but if you went beyond the semen analysis, if the, if the state offered the sperm DNA fragmentation test, mm-hmm. I don't you know much about that? They basically they test the quality of the actual sperm, and sometimes it leads to miscarriages because the quality of the sperm has an impact on the embryo and all the rest of it. But that's reducing the trauma for women. I then actually went beyond that and said, the state needs to offer the carrier type test because Mm -hmm. if you're XXY, 
you can have sex every day of the week of the of the year. You'd be quite exhausted, but you can have sex every day. <laughs> You're probably regret. You're never going to get pregnant. Yeah, it's just not going to happen. Okay, and um, I don't know, kind of a bit of a joke about it, like, but yeah. but it's the but thing. But it's yeah, but and you know it's ridiculous because the what's happening that couple are losing time. You can't get time back, you know, and then women are experiencing because there's this over focus on women. Um, women are experiencing all necessary surgeries and all necessary trauma, yeah, and that's just not acceptable. I just why why is this such a big deal? Why can't people see men as part of that vulnerable group? Mm. why can't men get, I, I think if any guy wants to have a family and they're struggling he wouldn't have a problem doing another semen analysis or sorry sperm fragmentation test giving blood to see does he have XXY and then you're kind of you know you have all the information on the table. of course yeah. you're creating all this time to help your wife yeah. or your partner and like they said thanks, but no thanks was the kind of the answer. Like I'm not going to give up on that. Like they're only sorry now until I get it. <laughs> um, <laughs> but so that's kind of like I'm not sure if that really answered your question. No, like, no, it does. It does. You're being passionate about it because, yeah. like, we just need to change this model that you know boys, men, they don't talk about their emotions. Mm. That's bollocks. That is crap. Yeah. Like. I get contacted by XXY guys around the planet. Yeah. I've had guys tell me that their marriage collapsed because they couldn't come to terms. Yeah. Not having sperm. Because our society has been designed that boys, men, they don't ask for help. Yeah. They just box it all up. That's just not realistic. And that's just not acceptable. Yeah. Like I like I got upset talking to you, but that's a good thing for me. Exactly. I think it's good that boys and men cry. Yeah, like it's not a weakness. That's a strength. Yeah, that you, absolutely. You're, you're human. Like, yeah. why? Why is this as like? Oh, that's a weakness. Yeah, that's but the power of vulnerability. Exactly. Like, like there was a guy I was talking to in the British Army because I was trying to do stuff with them about fertility support, mm. and he was telling me that like he was in he's in some I don't know what unit or regiment or whatever, but he told his his colleagues, and you were thinking the army like that's a real masculinity yeah. OTT experience. He told his colleagues or his other buddies it that the problem was with him. There, yeah. yeah. And the lads are all like, what can we do to help reduce your stress? Can, can I do more duties for you? Can we reduce your shifts? Can I? Yeah. It was just amazing. And I find that when I say to guys about not having sperm, so when I talk to people in playgrounds, I say, do you want to hear something cool about those kids? That's the way I say it. Because of course they're going to say, well, of course I want to hear and yeah. when you say it like that and I say those children exist because I don't have sperm yeah that's when a great way to start like that, story huh <laughs> that's a great hook to get someone in <laughs> but, like I've said it to loads of men like there's a guy I've got to know um like we we're kind of in touch I was probably about two years ago I met him in a forest park mm. and because I just don't give a shit because I'm so mm -hmm. proud. Like, I'm really proud to not have sperm. Like, yeah. how many men say that? Yeah. Not really many. Um, And when I say these children exist because I don't have sperm. And, and then I find what happens is because I kind of show this huge amount of vulnerability and I'm so proud of it, yeah. I have found that men I don't know will let their guard down. Yeah, it's a way in. 
Yeah. 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 So this guy actually turned around and he said to me, well, you know what? Oh my God, that's incredible. That's really amazing. And then he said, you know what? For the last few months, I've been recovering from uh, heart surgery. I've been really sick. And yeah. oh my God, I feel really good to say it. Yes. And we didn't know each other. Yeah. <laughs> so this myth that, you know, masculinity and blah, blah, it's a big little bollocks. It's crap. It's rubbish. Yeah. You know, yeah. like I'll be honest. Um, it sounds very condescending and it's not. Like, honestly, women are the stronger sex. They are. They absolutely are. Because women ask for help. They talk to their friends. They talk to their family. Yeah. They look for answers. The majority of men, what do they do? They don't do that. They bottle it up. Yeah. They turn to alcohol. They turn to drugs. Mm. They turn to something else. Yeah. That's yeah. not. And it comes out in another way because it has to and come it out. And it comes out. It'll come out. Yeah. Explosive way. Like, that's. Yeah. That's not a way to lead your life. No. Like asking for help. We're all human. No one, you know, sorry, I just kind of went off there. Yeah, <laughs> I, I think it's that's really important as well. Like, like again, we're touching based on like men's mental health and be, the ability to be able to open up and talk because as you said, it can bottle it up and bottle it up and it's going to come out in other ways. So even just by you engaging with other men and just even yeah. using the shock tactic after on them in like it helps it helps break down the walls and sometimes it is easier to speak to a stranger you yeah. know sometimes they do have things going on in their head and just to even vocalize them can make all the difference so I think what you're doing is amazing and you're so passionate about the subject and hopefully we have listeners on that don't know where to turn that might be going through something similar and just hearing how you speak about the subject matter whether it is infertility or looking after men's mental health it, it's really it's it's really powerful really really oh, powerful much you know um and like the other thing to say i know i mentioned at the start about the mm. the testosterone levels so these days i'm on trt which stands for testosterone replacement therapy mm-hmm. yeah so, so every 13 weeks i get a testosterone injection a thousand milligrams mm. And it makes a fantastic difference to my life. Like, like and this is the thing about why as a society, even if there's guys saying they're 60s and they're like, I'm not using a stereotype, but like a farmer, like, you know, but a farmer yeah. down in Leitrim for sake. Okay. They're like, I'm not having a family. They still need to know if they're XXY or not. Yeah. Because if you don't have enough testosterone as a man, like you will be have an fatigued and tired all the time. Yeah. And you could have an accident at the farm. Yeah. So, like there are Need awareness regardless of whether it's in relation to fertility or not 100 yeah, percent. it doesn't matter okay you might might maybe that you didn't decide to have children for whatever reason but like i'll give you a super quick example like i'm back out training at the moment um and before remember i said about my scale of 11 to 13 and that scale mm-hmm. so before i knew i was xxy um in 2013 i cycled the length of ireland for kids with cancer Wow. A road bike was 693 kilometers in six days. And I didn't know I was XXY. And I did have a third less testosterone than I should have had. Yeah. And then in 2016, I ran my first marathon, not knowing XXY. So it's unbelievable. incredible how my body had learned to adapt with a deficiency. Yes. Like yeah. I was so sure it was your baseline. It was your norm. You didn't know. Didn't have a clue. Mm-hmm. Um, and then since then, I've done three further marathons, 
And in 2022, I ran the Dublin Marathon to raise awareness of, of XXY. Because like, like if you don't have enough testosterone, like I know guys in other parts of the world, their levels are four. And then this guy, he was trying to load a load of shells over the Christmas holidays. And he was exhausted and fatigued. And then he found out his levels were four. And I was going, man, like, how can he yeah. operate as a person? He and then he gets his power, like, until you know. Yeah, he was getting knocked by other people going, oh, my God, you're such a weakling, blah, blah, blah. Well, of course, he's a weakling because he's operating on, like, 10 or 15% of what you have. So yeah. that's, you know. Um, so, like, sorry, I went off there and came back. So, like, last week, um, I went out and I ran a half marathon on Monday. Last Wednesday, I cycled 18 kilometers. Friday, I cycled 32 kilometers. And then on Sunday, I ran 18 kilometers. You're just showing off now, Gary. I know, I know I'm yeah. kind of showing off. <laughs> but I can do that because of TRT. Yeah. Yeah, okay. yeah, yeah. Because That's it incredible. gives you that energy. Yeah. Um, Camille, Gary, would you mind, you know, you mentioned a couple of organizations and the, the event in the RDS, if you wouldn't mind popping those links um, over to us and we'll pop them in the show notes. Yeah, so like just, just finally to say, like um, my website, which has a lot of links yeah. to all this stuff. So my website is prettyfly number four xxy.com. Prettyfly for xxy.com. And I'll Perfect. send you all the links. Yeah, Good we'll point. pop your, your website in the show notes as well. Um, but like Yvonne said, um, thank you so much for sharing all of that. It was honestly a pleasure to sit here and listen to it an emotional roller coaster but so impressive and um your vulnerability is very admirable so thank you well thanks for having me on thank you so much gareth and i'm sure if people reach out to us directly we can refer them to the website or to your instagram page yes connect with you directly but um you're doing incredible work and i'm in awe of your passion thanks so much guys thanks a million gareth we'll leave it there brad Bye now. Take care. Bye. Bye. We hope that you enjoyed this week's episode. And if you received any value from the podcast at all, we would appreciate any shares. And if you also have a moment, please leave us a rating below. We would be truly grateful. Join us next time as we will explore more ways to redefine success, happiness and well-being on your terms. Until then, take care of yourself and each other. Thanks for tuning in.